0: Welcome back to One Winning Pod, where the Ravens are locked in, and as are we. We are ready to dissect this divisional matchup against the number 4 seed, the Houston Texans, who demolished the AFC North second-place team, the Browns. Joe Flacco came back down to earth. January, Joe was parked. It turns out he has to play in October to be able to play well in January, and therefore uh, they are now out of the playoffs, and that, that uh, Magic Carpet ride is, is over.
1: Yeah, Flacco. Um, Flacco and the Browns. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was, it was quite competitive. Uh, I think for the first, uh, I don't know, half part of the game, um, you know, it was low scoring in like the early first quarter. Um, then there were a couple of touchdowns back and forth. The Browns looked like they were driving. Texans kind of came back. And then third quarter, it kind of all unraveled. And then, well, you saw the final score. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, certainly a lot to talk about. Um, I'm sure it made a lot of fans nervous, kind of going into this week. As far as you know, Texans are super hot right now. Um, You know, are we gonna have are we gonna have trouble? Is this going to be a repeat of 2019? And we'll talk about it. Um, You know, I definitely think that there are you know there's some things to be concerned about for sure. The Texans are a hot team. And, uh, you know, Baltimore sports fans in particular, I know, um, I, f- I feel like I'm going to steal your thunder here, Peter, but um, we, <laughs> we, this is, we just had a, another Baltimore sports team lose to a Texas team a couple of months ago, um, which was not very fun, and they were very hot too. Uh, so we don't want a repeat of that. Um, but I do think the Ravens are more you know more well-equipped, I think, to handle it this time. And, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. It's
2: crazy how week-to-week this league is. It's just so crazy. The Houston Texans... And I mean, this also goes back to what you just brought up, too, because the Texas Rangers had to do their own calling to get into the postseason for Major League Baseball, right? But the Texans were an on-target pass to a wide-open running back in the flat away from being eliminated from this season, right? That game against the Colts, Gardner Minshew completes that pass, throws an on-target pass there to the wide-open Third string running back, I forget what his name was. Um and look, we're talking about a different opponent. I, I don't know. Would it be the Colts? Would it be the Browns? I don't know. But, you know, all credit to the Texans. Um, what an incredible season they've had. You know, we I just thinking back to the first episode we did this year, and we were talking about the Texans and talking up the young guys, the D'Amico Ryans coming in being the coach, um, talking about how their beat up offensive line and how that was awful for them and might derail their season before it even started and i mean look we said it at the time um it was probably good that the ravens were facing them to start the season before they had a chance for cj stroud to get his feet wet for the the team to get some of their promising parts moving um you know i think but i think i think we were you know I think those were legitimate thoughts that we had about that team. I don't think we were patronizing them, but I also don't think that any of us expected for this team to actually make the playoffs in the even in the best case scenario. What they've done in their first year under D'Amico Ryan's, what CJ Stroud has done as a rookie, um, just incredible, just an incredible run for this team.
0: Yeah, I mean that division was wackadoodle. Uh, I think we liked the Colts going into it, but we thought you know AR would be playing more of the season than he ended up playing. We liked. I think we all like liked Houston, but we thought Jacksonville was going to keep it together, and they just like completely. Uh, I mean, remember when we played them? They were like competing for the one seed, <laughs> and they just like <laughs> lost every game after. Uh, that's that's like wild, you know, a huge collapse, and and then this team just kept grinding, kept improving, and of course we're on the rocket ship of CJ Stroud. Now, granted, Stroud's a fascinating character. I mean. He's had some crazy performances, some real heroics, but he had to, like, dig himself out of a hole, you know? Like, how how are they there? You know, how are they so far behind to have to do that? Um, he's 4-on-4 four four on the road, and I, I think, like, I think he's going to be a, a solid quarterback. I think he's going to be top 10. He could be top 5 year, in certain years. I think he's a great quarterback. Um, And I'm just, like, wondering, like, can we get him, Uh, you know, Show him they remind him he's a rookie one more time, you know, (laughs) one more time this season. He has to be
2: reminded he's a rookie. I mean, there's a good shot at it, right? Uh, You look at rookie quarterbacks in the postseason and look, when we were we talked last time we were recording, I did not include the Texans as a team that I was terribly concerned at going into the playoffs. And you know what? I am now officially concerned and we'll talk more about this matchup. Does that mean that I think the Ravens will lose this game? No, but I do think that the Texans, what C.J. Stroud showed, there's more than I was expecting from this team in this matchup, particularly with the fact that you're being led by a rookie quarterback. And you look historically at rookie quarterbacks in the postseason, only three rookie quarterbacks have won multiple games uh, in in a postseason. And those three, no one had done it until – Joe Flacco did in 2008 and the following year you had Mark Sanchez and of course last year Brock Purdy but you look at those three teams you know in each of those cases all those quarterbacks made throws at certain times in those games but certainly they they were surrounded by elite defenses they had very strong running games reliable wide receivers um you know so their performance while fine for a rookie wasn't really you know enough to really carry a team if those components failed and then in addition to those three you had eight other quarterbacks uh including stroud from last weekend who had had one or have won at this point a game in play in as a rookie in the playoffs um russell wilson in 2012 roethlisberger in 2004 and then we go into names that people might not remember, um, some of which I didn't, I don't even know some of these guys at the bottom, uh, Aaron Brooks for the saints in 2000, Sean King for Tampa Bay in 99. And then, um, we're going to the LA Rams, Dieter Brock in 1985. And Pat Hayden was the very first rookie quarterback to ever win a playoff game for the LA Rams in 1976. So what Stroud did was, is rare. It has not happened many times in NFL, uh, history um so there's two things here number one it doesn't happen very often number two even when the teams win you know it's not really because of the quarterback play and in this game you know stroud was certainly a huge reason that the texans won granted they had a great defensive performance as well and cleveland had a very poor defensive game but you gotta give credit to where the credits do the browns dared stroud to throw it deep he did connected on a lot and look that's going to be something you know we can look at and say, he's going to have a hard time doing against the Ravens because under Mike McDonald, those plays aren't there. So that is one advantage, I think, going into this matchup that the Ravens really need to make sure that they keep up doing what they've been doing all year. Limit those big plays because that was how Cleveland um, let this game get away from them uh, in wildcard weekend.
1: Yeah, I think... Uh, th- there's a couple of high level things that I kind of want to touch on in terms of um I think what what I saw Stroud and the the offense do a really good job against the browns and where I think the Ravens can probably have a better shot um now obviously like it's not that those you know, things that they did well are going to be gone. And like the Ravens are completely silenced them. It's just that, you know, I think the Ravens probably have a better plan, probably better personnel to match up with, with certain things. But, but anyway, here goes. Um, number one, um, definitely agree with what you said, Peter. I think Stroud was, um, you know, pretty on target. You know, you look at his stats uh, from the game, 16 for 21, only five incompletions. Um, That's really good. There's a really high completion percentage. And, um, you know, there were a mix of a lot of throws. I mean, you saw a lot of um, underneath stuff. You saw a couple of deep throws. Really, I I feel like the only um, big throw that Stroud did miss was that deep ball to uh, Collins, which could have ended up being a touchdown. He just ran behind the the safety to be able to get there. It's just a few feet over, uh, you know, his outstretched arms and wasn't able to connect there. Um so yeah, uh Stroud was very accurate. Uh number two, um, I think the play calling of the Texans I think was really great. I think I think they did a couple things really well. I think that uh they utilized um a lot of uh motion and screens and things like that to try and stretch the Browns defense a little bit and to also kind of negate their pass rush. I think it worked really well, particularly because I think the Browns were just awful at tackling um outside the box really there are a couple of uh couple of players that i noticed on there um i feel like emerson was one of them who just did not have good uh kind of a good game at all um from that perspective 30 i think 33 was another one of those players i was like out of position a couple of plays and, and things like that but anyway i mean I, I think really the credit to the texans of just their play calling of kind of getting them off balance it, it felt like I don't know, just felt like the Browns weren't really prepared for certain things like that. And they just let up a lot of big plays. And uh, the third thing, uh, which we can talk about more as well, is just um, run game. So you mentioned it with uh, you know some of those other teams, like the early Joe Flacco years, had a really good run game. I think Singletary has been a great um, weapon for them in the run game and really um, also helped him out a lot in that game.
0: Yeah, Singletary has been playing exceptionally well at the end of the year. He's been a top three back at the end of the season. Uh, Damian Pierce' season was canceled. As many, uh, you know, Dicey owners were reminded of quickly, I guess. And uh, I think Singletary's success, like you said, um, Chris, I think is something that's really helped Shroud. If you look at the back half of the season, it was kind of like a, a, a three part season for him. The first act, he played pretty well. Then the team started to identify things about him. All of his interceptions came in, um, the six interceptions came in a six game stretch. And then uh, the back half of the season, no interceptions. He's playing pretty hot. Um, interestingly enough, too, there's a similar correlation with sacks. Like, he got sacked a lot early. Then he didn't get sacked for a while. And in the middle, there were some sacks. And now the offensive line is really short up near the end of the season here and limited sacks. He only had uh, one QB hit all game against the Browns. Zero sacks. Completely neutralized uh, Miles Garrett. You know, this is, like, a pretty outstanding um, task. We know that the Cleveland defense is apparently quote-unquote good, and apparently like, had uh, a lot of like, good pass rushers. So, like, this is uh, I think that was a big accomplishment, and we all know, like, if the trenches play well and you give some guy time, even without his top receiver, you know, Tank Dell getting hurt, um, they're able to execute. Actually, they had a couple of wide receivers hurt. Uh, Noah Brown's out. Uh, so, they're, they're, uh, I think um, Woods is out. Woods so. is in there. Oh, he was? Okay, my bad.
2: Yeah, he had a drop touchdown uh, in the game. I, maybe he Word. exited later. I'm not sure. I didn't watch the second half after it was clear that the <laughs> that the Texans <laughs> were going to run away from with it.
0: <laughs> he had 33% of the snaps, so maybe he got hurt. So I think he's questionable right now. Let me pull
2: up the injury report. And this is another reason why I'm saying that I, I think that the Texans made a statement in this game. Um, is Cleveland overrated? I mean, we've kind of been saying that. uh from defensively at this point, but it's only simply because you had a lot of analysts say throughout this season that Cleveland had the best defense in the league. Um, And and some people would, would, some analysts went as far as to say unarguably, you know, better than San Francisco, better than Baltimore. And of course on this podcast, you know, we're going to be partial to our team when (laughs) they, you know, have um, a legitimate case for it, you know? So, We got a little bit of purple-tinted glasses there, sure, but, you know, I Browns' defense was definitely exposed in this game. Was that poor coaching on the Browns? Some of it probably was that just the Browns weren't ready for the game. They got a little too high off that drubbing of the Jets led by Trevor Simeon or whoever was that quarterback in that game. You know, that's the thing about playoffs, which makes it, you know, so hard to predict at times. There's a giant mental preparation part of these games that we just don't have access into. We don't know, you know, what the the mental makeup was of the Texans going into this game. We don't know what the mental makeup of was the Browns, except for, you know, what gets kind of what we can glean from post game press conferences or locker rooms afterwards, which I mean, you know, if you read between the lines with Miles Garrett's uh, post game comments did seem to hint towards some, you know, inner dysfunction within the the Mm -hmm. Cleveland rocker room that maybe wasn't as clear going into the game, but that's only, you know, that's just hypothetical gleanings from, you know, quotes said after an emotional loss. So, I mean, take from that, what you will, you know, but the mental aspect of this game is so important. And that is something that we Ravens fans know way too well, you know, despite the fact that 2020 was a better performance and that the Ravens should have beat the Bengals last year had Tyler Huntley not gone into mi- incredibly misguided hero mode. Um, we're still <laughs> haunted by 2019, right? That, that game was so unexpected and such a drubbing that, you know, that that mental aspect of it is, is still clear
0: in our minds as, as fans, at least. So I looked it up. Robert Woods is on the injury report. There's a lot of people in this injury report. He has a hip issue and has been limited in practice. So we'll see if he's able to, to contribute. But um, I think, I mean, Peter, you're so right about this. Like, uh, you know, scars. Like, I didn't even, like, do the analysis of, like, oh, it's another team from Texas. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh, no. Well, we no. have seen them in the playoffs before, in, at home in the
2: divisional round <laughs> against a rookie quarterback. Ooh. Does anyone remember who, who was the Texans' starting quarterback for that game in 2011 that Jacoby Jones um, uh, became an, a, a Raven by fumbling away, what was it, two punts to us? <laughs> Was that Schaub? No, Schaub no, was no, hurt. No, they was, were on their third. TJ, quarterback. TJ Yates. TJ Yates. Congrats Ooh. to Chris. I had to look that up. I couldn't remember the guy's name. I w- I wanted to say that it was um, Davis Mills, but I was like, no, wait a second. Davis Mills has not been in the league no, that right. long. But yes, no, no, it's no, another no, no. random yeah. white quarterback pocket passer. <laughs> TJ Yates. I don't know where he is right now, but
1: <laughs> TJ Yates, Davis yeah, Mills. No. I think kind of basically the same guy, but <laughs> yeah. No, that was um. Well, I don't want to say my first playoff game because I went to the um. I went to the Steelers game away the year before, which was also, yeah, it was also a divisional game. Um, but, uh, the, the, yeah, the 2011 one, I did go to that game. So that was also a really frigid game, really cold. And I think the Jacoby Jones fumble, if I recall, I thought that was Jimmy Smith who recovered that one. I, I think it was. Yeah. If I have, I think if I have that right. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah, I do remember that game a lot. Um, but uh but yeah no we have we have done it um we definitely have done it before um and that also too i mean that was a really good texans roster um in you know those couple of years from like 2010 to, to you know 2012 13 14 or something i mean you had jj watt in his prime um you know hopkins and you know uh actually not hopkins i guess at that point but you had uh, johnson and andre uh, johnson a couple yep. of the, a couple of those players shaw was also a very good quarterback i mean i i I think as a Ravens fan, I think he was a little overrated. I always felt stronger the <laughs> Flacco was better. I'm <laughs> um, just saying Flacco started over Shaw, in 2015. So, but uh, but anyway, I mean Shaw was the Pro Bowl quarterback. He was pretty good. You know, it was a Kubiak uh, wide team. So they, they were, you know, they had a lot of success. Um, just not so much in the postseason.
2: Oh, anyone want to take like wild guess where uh, TJ Yates currently is? <laughs> I knew you in life. That
0: up. <laughs> like no, in I- the world.
2: In the world, yeah. He is a used car salesman. <laughs> no, he is a coach for a uh, – um, he is currently the wide receivers coach for the Atlanta Falcons. No kidding. Um, According to Wikipedia, he still so retains his job. Yeah, let's put it this way. He was hired for the 2022 season. I don't know if he uh, – let's see if we can find out if he um,
1: is
0: still there. <laughs> Drake London personally fired him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, with their yeah, with their coaching, uh, depending on whether they hire Belichick or not. I guess I don't want to see, but uh, but yeah, still current, still as of
2: as of today, still the wide receivers coach for the Atlanta Falcons. We'll see if he'll survive the off season.
0: But we're yeah, in. well, good luck to you, Love to have you on the pod. <laughs> yeah, come on on. <laughs> I will say though, the Nico Collins breakout it finally happened. Year three. He has thirteen hundred yards in the season, almost. Uh, you know, at, at this playoff game for sure. And then in the playoff game, bust out performance: seven targets, six catches, ninety-five or ninety-six yards, and a touchdown. Um, the interesting thing about the Ravens is that we've held wide receivers to the third lowest, so in, the, in a good way, rate this year. Um, and like we said, they're they're banged up: Tank Dell's out, Noah Brown's out, um, hip injury to Woods, so. We're looking at Mechie getting caught on, who uh, was a second round pick for them and somebody I, I kind of liked in the draft process. He's starting to show a little bit, four targets for 44 yards, I believe. Um, and yeah, I think we've got uh, an interesting lineup there. And I just feel like these, like our secondary should be able to really, like none of these guys super scare me other than Nico, but he always plays on the outside. And I feel like our just, our defense is built to like kind of handle wide receivers like that and uh, with the with the you know, two high shells that we do a lot, the spine that's so solid, um, It's just really. I think it's going to be really hard to win that way against us. Um, They've also had success with the tight ends between, I mean, more so Don Schultz. Brevin Jordan finally appeared out of nowhere. He got a touchdown last week. Um, and I just think that's not going to necessarily work for him in this, uh, against our team. So I think the real question is, like, can we get to Stroud and disrupt this passing game? And even if we don't get to him, we might be able to disrupt them in the second half, like when the ball's in the air. Cause I, I do really think that we match up well in that regard.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, yeah. The, the pass rush, I think is definitely going to be key. I mean, um, you know, I, I love to see, I love to see, especially from, you know, Matt BK on the inside, um, just what, you know, what he can do. Uh, whoever goes up against Tunsil, I think is going to have a, you know, a hard time of just, he's a, a really great tackle. Honestly, Stanley would be at that point if he didn't have his injury you know, but he's, but he's not. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at, but, but anyway, Tunsil's a very good player. Um, and it's going to be tricky to kind of get around him, but all the other interior pressure and, you know, the right side and stuff like that. Um, if we can get to him, I think we'll, we'll have a better time, but yeah, I was also thinking just in terms of the coverage too. Um, I feel like the Browns, they definitely play, like, it's not just man, like they play man and zone and stuff like that, but there were a lot of coverages. I felt that they had a lot of man and, uh, they just had guys in Bad positions like I said good play calling on the Texans a lot of like crossing routes And things like that to kind of get uh, people out of Position and they were just like I feel like there were just an inordinate Amount of routes where guys Were just wide open and if they weren't wide open Browns are just missing tackles And you know if I'm looking at the Ravens defense I'm kind of thinking Where you're thinking Alec right we play a lot more Too high um, you know a lot more A zone we have linebackers kind of You know in space uh, covering guys And you know for the most part, I'm not saying like every game, but for the most part, um, tackling is a lot better. Guys are, are you know, collapsing on their zones um, and making the tackle pretty well. And so I just feel like Stroud can still do some of the things that he was doing against the Browns. But I do think it's going to make it a little bit more difficult with our defense and kind of how we operate. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I would have to think that there's some opportunity there for us to to kind of take advantage, maybe get a interception or something based on those coverages.
2: Marlon Humphrey's status going into this game is uh, not ideal. Um, apparently, I don't think he's practiced since December 31st, is what I uh, read today. Um, you know, has this been Marlon's best year? No, but I I think one thing we've seen with Marlon this year is. He's a vet, obviously. He's got plenty of of football smarts and he has found ways to continue to make plays, even though he's there's been several games this year where it's been clear that he has not been 100% physically ready to go. Um, So a loss of that will hurt, definitely. But I agree with what you're saying about, you know, what our secondary is, you know, primed to be able to do. Um, against Nico Collins. I think you look at Brandon Stevens and and Darby, I think they'll match up very well there on the outside. Um, you look at the first game this season, obviously Stroud, not 100% yet. He was his first game there, but um, even though Nico Collins did end the game with 80 yards receiving, which even in and of itself, that's with what Nico's done this year, that's a pretty um, great performance, you know? But um, a good portion of those yards were after the game was already, you know, out of reach for the Texans. Um, That's when Stroud started hitting Collins on some of those deeper routes as they, you know, were just trying to get some stuff done in, in garbage time. So again, I don't know how much we can take out of that game because obviously, like we've said multiple times, the Texans, they've been very, uh, had a lot of improvement since that game. But I mean, I mean, Nico eclipsed 130 yards receiving just the next game. So, you know, it wasn't that far away from this offense breaking out. So, yeah, I, on paper, this looks like a matchup that the Ravens should be able to win. I would go as far as to say that. But, of course, we have to see how it actually plays out.
1: I think Mike McDonald talked, uh, was it today or yesterday, about, um, about the bank being real rowdy. And uh, really loud, and he had said something about defense being, uh, you know, having to work on their communication, make sure they all get all their calls in, and things like that. And um, you know, when I look at the Texans, I mean, that's going to be a one, one huge thing um, that I, again, like, I feel like the Browns just didn't uh, execute very well on. And and that's like, you know, when you, especially when you're playing a lot of zone, guys are going to have to pass them off, right? We're going from one zone to another, and just being really good about the communication. i'm Like, hey, I got this guy, I'm going over here, like following this guy. Um, just being really great about that on-field communication, even after the call comes in, but just handing guys off. Uh, it's going to be super crucial. So yeah, I'm sure they're are uh, You know, this is something that they've been working on for the last couple of weeks. Obviously we a lot of high stakes games and things like that, but it's going to continue to be important. And uh, we talk about doing fundamentals, right? I think that's, that's gotta be up there. And one of the, one of the most important ones.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the last thing you look at with offense um, is just who are some guys who could, Surprise! Um, who are the guys you got to watch out for? Because we we've seen that happen already in this postseason. You see guys who you know are kind of role players, don't really have big games. You've seen them come out. Teams are are bringing them out, and they're finding success with them. Uh, Harrison Bryant for the Browns had a big game. We're talking about uh, the Texans. Obviously, Brevin Jordan broke away for that big touchdown. Uh, you look at the the Buccaneers game. How many of of their you know, third and fourth string receivers had some big uh, completions for, you know, big big catches, excuse me, for, for touchdowns. Uh, Anyone on this team that, you know, obviously the Tex, the Ravens are going to be focused on Collins are going to be focused on stopping Singletary. The Texans don't really run the ball terribly much as it is. Um, So, you know, but, and they have injuries. So, I mean, I, I think that you're looking at guys who might be a surprise, I mean, it's the tight ends, and, and that's kind of it, isn't it? I mean, maybe Mechie, um, He showed some promise, had his best game as a pro uh, in that game, but still, it was only a couple catches.
0: I think Singletary is an issue. Like I, I we've seen running backs have success against us, um, so I think that's a, that's a huge part is making sure that gets slowed down. And I think the biggest way to stop Singletary is gas pedal on offense. If we can get you know a big lead. And take that, make them one-dimensional. I think that's how you win. I, I I really think like the complimentary football that we've been playing the last couple of weeks is like how we've been being teams with such a a large sum is we make them one-dimensional, and you know then it's just we just feast. You know what I mean? So that's that's like the key, you know. But you need you need offense to contribute. You need defense not to let up points early, and so that you can create that lead. It's all uh you know all uh synchronizes.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're uh, just one other thing to add, um, Peter, if you're asking, like, you know, who are the under, you know, underlooked players or sorry, I should say overlooked players, not underlooked players, overlooked players. Who, oh, overlooked or um, underlooked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Could, that could surprise us. Um, I mean, I, f- I feel like the two guys for me um, are uh, Mechie and Hutchinson. I think mm. they had um, a decent bit of snaps um, in the game against the Browns. I think Mechie's questionable right now. Uh, but I would expect he would get the majority share of snaps, uh, depending on what other receivers are playing. He's got a lot of speed. I know they used him a lot on um, on sort of like jet sweep uh, motions, things like that. So, I mean, he would be a guy to watch out for. And then Hutchinson, I saw, I think he only got two catches on the game uh, for the Browns. But, I mean, we saw 2019, I think. Uh, what was the name of that receiver from the Titans? Um, ended up going to the Lions at the year after. But he had that deep touchdown over Marlow. I I this is exactly that why I bring this up. <laughs> okay, well then, good. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, gosh, I'm struggling with the guy's name. I'll have to look it up.
2: On oh, I, I am too, but I remember the play. I remember the play. I do not remember the name. <laughs> uh, Khalif Raymond. Ah, Raymond. That's and he right. had a
0: great game. Right? No, that was no, it was uh, not, not Khalif. Who was the guy that had a great game for the Lions the other day? Was it was it Khalif Raymond?
2: Uh in week in week eighteen he did. I think uh Josh Reynolds
1: had some early catches. Oh, it was Reynolds. Yeah, Reynolds, the yeah. revenge game. <laughs> yeah, Reynolds had some good games too. Yeah, yeah, Khalif Raymond, he's the guy. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, if you're looking for the Khalif Raymond of this, I feel like Mechie or Hutchinson maybe be my guys. I liked Hutchinson in the draft
0: process. Don't say those words out loud. <laughs> <laughs> he's more of a possession receiver though. I think I think that might be all right.
1: Yeah. In any case, let's move on to the defense. Um, (laughs) Certainly, uh, you know, we're looking, especially we're looking at the game against the Browns. um, I mean, they contributed 14 points out of the 45. uh, Two pick sixes from (laughs) Baltimore's favorite, Joe Flacco. Um, Yeah, I mean, certainly they had one of their um, one of their better games this season. I think Um, very high motor, particularly in the second half. I think they were just really getting after it, um, trying to get after Flacco. Uh, but you know, I think in in all phases, um, defensive line was looking pretty good. They were rushing pretty well. Um, linebackers, I think, were playing pretty well for the most part. I think they were playing the run uh, fairly fairly well uh, too. And then um, you know, you look at the back end. Um, guys, we talked about Week One. Uh, Petrie, we talked about him at the safety spot. Uh, Stingley was another guy at corner. Uh, guy we really liked. Um, he played great. I think, uh, if I recall, I think he only gave up a catch or something to Amari Cooper, the whole game um, definition of lockdown corner. So yeah, I mean, this is a unit that is definitely trending up. I think it's going to give the Ravens offensive problems. Word. Yeah. The
0: 13th ranked pass defense, but like you said, ascending, um, we can see what these guys can do just in the wildcard game. I mean, Stingley has been playing really exceptional down the line. That's obviously boosted them. Um, and then we, We've always talked highly of Petrie. I think the interesting part is their other safety. Um, they're using a bunch of guys that, uh, you know, like, I mean, Houston Carson was on our team at one point on the practice squad or like, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's, he's playing meaningful snaps. 55% of snaps last week. Um, Amos is playing for them as well. So, um, and that was before I went into garbage time, right? Like before, before they kind of gave up. So I, I think that's uh that's kind of interesting. I know that uh, Desmond King is a guy to look out for. He's played pretty well. Um, he usually matches up in the slot, and therefore, like, he could get action against Zay. Um, and then maybe even, like, I'm curious what they would do if, like, Mark Andrews is available in this game, big slot, uh, likely, et cetera. That, that's, I think, an interesting matchup to, to pay attention to. But, yeah, that's uh, to that's say of their, their secondary. I think it's, it's not a group, the thing that you're going to pick on. I also think it's not a group that you need to be stupidly concerned about. I think they they have enough good players, but we do too. we match up. We have enough talent, I think, to overcome their talent.
2: We do. Uh, I I think, and I think another thing that you look at with this squad is, yes, they are on the ascendancy, but also y- you look at who they've played. Um, the the back half of their season, I mean. They played really only two competent passing attacks. One of those was um, was the Browns uh, back when Amari Cooper was healthy. Um, I don't know if that had something to do with with the Browns' stagnant passing at- attack. Um, you know, in in this game, but um, I mean, Cooper definitely didn't look like he was fully healthy in that game. But but obviously, Cooper torched them for something like t- I mean. I will not forget that because it ruined so many of my fantasy teams this year because I was on the opposite end of that. <laughs> um, Sorry, <dude. laughs> And then, I mean, the other games they played, um, okay, Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville back when Trevor Lawrence, before he got hurt, they were a, a very good passing attack. But then the other games they played it, during that stretch, you know, Arizona, Denver, the Jets, the Titans twice, um, the Colts. You know, I, it's been a bit since they've been consistently tested. Um, and that's not to say to discredit what they've done, because obviously you look at those passing offenses, and they've had some good games against really bad secondaries. So it's it's not like you just step out there and you automatically do well. They you know, they have to be doing things well to do that. But you know, I you, you see what we've done, what how this Todd Munkin offense has evolved, and I, I have a feeling that the Ravens are going to make a point of emphasis to have a really strong. Um, Game plan as far as how to attack this secondary. Um, we've got the guys to do it. Like you said, it's really just going to come down to the age old question of rest, which, you know, I, I have been leaning much more towards the idea that it's a bunch of bullshit. It doesn't really matter if you rest or not. <laughs> but um, if, if this offense comes out and they're not rusty, they're going to be able to move the ball. And, you know, I mean, the Browns, even though they lost by a lot, they had points where they were moving the ball uh, uh, quite a bit and had room for tight ends to get a lot of yak out there. Um, they had option, you know, so I, th- I think you look at the speed here of what you have at receiver and at tight end, you know, with, with Zay and likely and Bateman, then there's going to be a lot of big plays here for this offense to exploit. And it's just going to come down to something that we have no insight into, which is just, you know, how, uh, how fresh, is this offense going to be
0: locked in man can be locked in that's the hope and i think a good way to get that started is with the running game i hope we're able to establish um some pretty good running game early on uh sans quarterback hoping that gus bus is recharged you got a tune up in the garage and uh hill's good to go and then they they cut melly so it sounds like it's going to be uh dolphin cook season we'll see if what he has left in the tank behind our offensive line and with with, uh, Lamar by his side. So I think it's exciting, you know? Let's see what this running game can do. Um, But like you said, I think we could lean on our passing game and even use short passing. Like, I mean, recall, (laughs) this was the Zay game. This was the game where they just manufactured touches for Zay, and um, they could totally do that again, maybe, potentially, who knows? I think that's a beautiful thing, right? So at the beginning of the year, they do the Zay game. This is the classic, like... um, uh, like when you beat a team, like hopefully I hope the Ravens are acting like they never played the Texans before. Don't act like anything's just going to work again. Cause they, this is a whole different team. Uh, so many weeks later, I'm sure that they're you know, smart enough to know that as well. So I don't think they're going to try to go back to being the Zay game, but you sure as heck know that the Texans are worried about the Zay game. They're worried about like, how can we make sure that doesn't happen again? So I, uh, I definitely think we'll see um, a variety of different attacks. And, and I saw, I, I can't get this out of my mind that like the way that Lamar talked in his presser and he asked, like, you think you're going to put up points against this team? Cause remember they didn't look very sharp week one offense was a little rusty, a little slow. Uh, Rachel was concerned they might not win. <laughs> um, the uh, he 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 was like, "I'm very confident we're going to score." I'm very, confident. he had like this, this this grin. I was like, oh, he knows something." You know what I mean? Like, it kind of felt like he felt good in the game plan. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like there's some confidence there that they they have the right game plan. They're locked in, and I I I really am. I'm just so eager to see this team get on the field. It's it's been a long ride just for us, us fans. You know, we haven't had meaningful football since the new
1: year. Yeah, yeah, de- yeah, definitely don't <laughs> count the uh, don't count the Steelers game as meaningful football, but uh, <laughs> but just for them, but, uh, just to so get a worse draft pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely agree with that a lot to be excited for. Um, actually, before before I talk about Lamar, though, I did want to go back to um, something you guys said about uh, Salvin Cook coming in. Um, yeah, I feel like we we had kind of hinted uh, at this a couple of weeks ago, just saying like. You know, it, actually, I won't say all of us because I'm not sure if Peter was as concerned as maybe Alec and I were, but, um, <laughs> you know, about the run game and just about like, okay, it's working okay. But like, you know, obviously we haven't, you know, Gus's yards per carry is a little bit down, Justice Hill's going a little bit up, but still wasn't kind of as effective as it had been with, um, with Mitchell and Gus kind of running the show. And what do you, you know, what do you know? They pick up Dalvin Cook and, you know, now it looks like he's the guy if they're releasing Melvin Gordon. So, I, I mean, I think it's a huge wild card. Um, I mean, if you ask me, I feel like it's a low risk, high reward move um, because, I mean, you know, if he doesn't do anything, okay, fine. We're, we, we've we got and we've got Hill. You know, we know that we can trust those guys. But if, um, you know, if Cook ends up uh, really kind of, you know, being the shot in the arm that I think that they're expecting, I think that does a lot for this just offensive balance that we're talking about. Um, you know, obviously we know Lamar, you know, has his weapons now. We can pass the football. But, um, you know, I think Munkin wants to have a, a balanced offense. And so, yeah, I'm I'm really excited just to see what Cook can do. I'm looking forward to, you know, after the game, assuming we win, I'm looking forward to analyzing what Cook has done on this game. I, I hope it'll be significant. I don't want to say I'm not concerned about the running game, but
2: I I have a lot of confidence that Gus and, and Hill can carry the, the load and can continue to, but look, when you are going for the Super Bowl, you go all in. You try and find every angle that you can to make your roster the absolute best version of itself it can be. And this is an excellent move by the front office. I agree with you guys. I don't know if it's going to work out, but I do think that there Dalvin Cook, to me, seems like he has more left in the tank. Than, than Melvin Gordon did. I, I mean, Melvin Gordon has been, his career, it's been a few seasons, right? It's been a few seasons since he's been mm. the guy that, you know, he made a name for himself, um, both in college at, I believe it was University of Wisconsin, and, and then in the NFL with the Chargers. Just never really was that guy for the Broncos, despite, you know, some he had some games here and there, but just physically just not the guy. I mean, Cook, we're only talking about last year. We're only talking about last season. Was it a slightly down year by his standards? Sure, but you know, still 1,100 yards rushing, eight touchdowns. You know, he had an 81 yarder. He was still somewhat effective in the passing game as well. Uh, 39 receptions, another touch, two touchdowns there. I mean, the guy is only a year removed from being uh, better than Justice Hill or Gus Edwards, right? <laughs> I mean, if the Ravens can can figure out what the Jets did wrong in this short time. We could be looking at this guy being the starting running back for this team. We could also be looking at this guy getting two carries for you know his entire <laughs> career as a Raven. I feel like you have the full set of, of outcomes here for it, but it's an excellent move and one that, if it works out, is going to go down as one of the most brilliant moves in Ravens history because that's how high the ceiling is for this move. I'm not saying he's going to be Pro Bowl Dalvin Cook. I'm saying that he has a chance to be a very effective running back who is at least slightly above league replacement, um, and it's just an angle of the offense that teams don't have tape on. They, no, no one has tape on Dalvin Cook in this Ravens offense, so it's it's something that I'm not like you know I'm not expecting it to be this, but I realize that there's a, a high potential for it to work out really well. So it's incredibly incredibly intriguing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just look at it as kind of like a cholt in the arm. You know, it's a, it's a shot of a general and you just need to, to try and, um, you know, add a, add another dimension to the offense, add, add some more explosion, I think, um, is really kind of what we're missing. Like Gus is one of those guys who could just grind yards out. He's not necessarily an explosive running back. Um, that's just not his game. Never really has been, um, you know, in justice, you have some elements to it, but I think we talked about it and I think a lot of things have to go right for him. I think he struggles a little bit, um, shaking off tackles. Um and, and just kind of getting you know tripped up pretty easily, he just doesn't have the same level of balance that a Mitchell does. Um, Dalvin, I feel like he kind of brings in like if he's healthy, if if he can you know gel with this offense, I think he just gives you a little bit more of that explosion uh, factor that we're looking for. And like I said, if you know if it doesn't work out, okay, cool. We already like we know what we have, right? Um, in fact, I mean you know we know what we have, and there's still a chance that maybe Mark Andrews might come back. Um, that's actually something we haven't brought up yet, but. Um, as of Wednesday, the day we're recording this, um, Mark Andrews was a full participant. Um, so, you know, not saying he's going to play, it's still probably a long shot, but the signs are looking good that he might be back at some point. Uh, you know, like we thought, which, you know, for, for a team, I think that we've complained so much about, uh, injury reports and things like that over the years about guys, uh, you know, having hope and the guys not coming back. I feel like this is really significant that Andrews actually has a shot to come back. uh, You know, to be another jolt in the arm for this offense. I think that's that's awesome.
0: Really, hyperbaric oxygen chamber is this year's deer antler spray, baby. (laughs) (laughs) This man had a chamber installed in his house to improve recovery. All right, love the respect that. I think he's going to be back, dude.
1: Did you see the story? It's it's not his. It's his girlfriend's.
0: (laughs) Wait, what? I did not read that part.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. He said know- his girlfriend's family had one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, oh, man. I just, can you imagine Thanksgiving dinner?
2: Just be like, oh, man, Mark Andrews at the table. I'm just so depressed. I don't know if I'm, when I'm going to be able to get back on the field. And <laughs> if, if only someone had a hyperbolic <laughs> chamber that I could just <laughs> use to get back. And her dad's just like, actually, you know what? There's this old coat rack down in the basement. We got there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've been using it as a storage container, but you can use right that, it. We don't use that thing.
1: We'll we'll <laughs> clean it out. We'll clean it out. Turn it on. Plug it in. You know, we'll we'll get you in there right right away.
0: <laughs> That's so fun. I need to read this story now. I will say that he just, he posted online like the first time ever with his girlfriend, but I think they've been dating for a while. um If you read the tea leaves. So,
1: anyways. Uh, <laughs> They've been very private. It's almost like, yeah, uh, yeah like Lamar. Yeah. I feel like you know, yeah, like Lamar like randomly had a kid.
0: Like when did that happen? Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, you're,
1: so you're
2: saying they're no, uh, they're no Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. No, no, they aren't.
0: Completely different. Yeah, yeah, a little different. Yeah, but I think it's impossible. I think they are not big enough celebrities. Almost, you know what I mean? Like Taylor Swift is just like another level of, of celebrity, right? And then like being another celebrity, get out of here. You know? Yeah. So, Anyways, that's, that's crazy. So we got the hyperbolic oxygen chamber. We got him making good cuts. I mean, you're watching him and you're acting like he's never, it looks like he never was hurt. You know, I think, I think he has like a little bit like smaller leg. You can kind of tell that, that he hasn't been as conditioned, but, uh, you know, not in the way he cuts, just like, you know, the aesthetics. <laughs> I don't know, man, I'm excited. I think he might be able to, to strap up.
2: It'll be interesting. You know, I mean, credit to Mark Andrews. I don't think anyone has ever questioned this man's toughness on the football field. I think he's one of the all time toughest Ravens and there's been a lot of tough Ravens, right? I mean, um, I don't know if it was advisable for him to walk off the field on his own power um, after, he, you know, he got hurt against Cincinnati, but I think, you know, it again shows what his, his pain tolerance is, what he's able to do. But um, look, I, I'm really excited for the potential there. Uh, I think that Isaiah likely should be the starting tight end for the rest of the season. Not because I think that if Mark Andrews was fully healthy, that likely should eclipse him on the depth chart. But I think you just don't know. How's he going to hold up? You know, I I think that he can certainly be on there for certain packages. He's going to be valuable if he's able to be on the field. Right. But I think that you want a a guy who's performing well um, in this offense. Uh, who, who's healthy and, and certainly has high potential to continue to be the number one guy for the remainder of this year. But look, you're always going to want Mark Andrews on the field, even if he's at 25% on, on a third down, aren't you? I mean, that's, that's Lamar's guy. In high pressure situations throughout his career, that's been the, uh, Lamar's number one guy. So if we can get him back on the field, man. That's going to be huge for this offense and for this team's Super Bowl aspirations.
0: One last thing too about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's known for having uh, shoulder issues, dislocated shoulders, and he was like the originator of the device to like keep his uh, you know shoulder in place. And we have multiple players on our team right now wearing shoulder devices, so I feel like he's really just a part of this you know family. He fits right in. Not only is he from South Florida, but he's got the device. So I think I think this is a it's a match made in heaven. Apparently, the Ravens were trying to get him in the offseason. And then they were unable to. He decided to go with the Jets, and therefore they went with uh, Melly. So I think uh, you know it's it's full circle that he's here. We wanted another guy with
1: shoulder problems, so it's, it's a good times. <laughs> Man, well, I feel like um, one one in a completely different direction. Actually, um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted no. Actually, I, I wanted I wanted to talk about um, I wanted to talk about where uh, where things might go wrong. Um, sure. or, or where the Ravens want to, um, you know, where they might have trouble. And I feel like the, the top of the list for me are going to be the uh, outside linebackers of the, the Texans, uh, uh, Greenard and uh, Anderson. I think are going to be huge matchup problems for our tackles. Um, you know, whoever plays, um, I'm assuming all four of them are going to play in the rotation that we're going to have. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I believe week one, um, you know, Moses has some trouble with with Anderson um really really strong guy obviously a, a very top pick from this year um you know greenard as well i think leads the texans with 12 and a half sacks um between both of them i think they have like 20 20 sacks between uh both those players um look i mean you know i, I think that they can definitely do a lot of damage i think one of the things that we've been concerned about in our past rush uh, has been our tackle situation you know I, I i think it can give them some some troubles now i do want to caveat and one thing, um, you know, as Ravens fans, we can kind of look to and maybe have, um, you know, a little bit more confidence going into this game. When when you look at, you know, the pass rush of the Texans against the Browns, Blacko does definitely does not have the same escapability in the pocket as Lamar, right? So I think that there is a, you know, advantage Lamar if you're doing like a checkbox <laughs> of, you know, he's got the advantage or whatever. Like Lamar definitely still has the advantage. He's got the mobility. He's got the, you know, elusiveness in the pocket. Flacco does not have that. Um, I was watching with my parents and I was trying to point out, just like, you know, hey, Flacco's going to get sacked there. Oh, he got sacked. Flacco's going to get sacked there. Oh, Flacco's <laughs> going to throw a pick. Yep. You know, it's it just, it, it's very obvious. And I'm sure the players as well, they can kind of pin their ears back and not have to worry about Joe Flacco escaping and, you know, getting a bunch of yards or making the throw downfield. Right, right. He just doesn't have that. Um, but that being said, credit, credit to credit's due. Um, they've got some really disruptive um, edge guys there. And, you know, I think the the Ravens are going to have to be ready. They're going to have to, you know, come up with a blocking scheme and determine is Ricard going to be in there? Are they going to try to run these two tight end sets? Are they going to try to get Andrews involved in there if he does play at all? Um, A lot of questions there for sure.
2: My big thing with this uh, game is the turnover battle. Um, CJ Stroud has been incredible this year with protecting the football. Um, You know, you, you look at this season. We talked about it a little earlier. There, there was only a small stretch there where he was throwing picks, and then he was able to share that up. You know, only five interceptions on the season. Should have had a pick early in that game against Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland dropped it a, a ball where he did not see the safety help at all. But you know, Brown didn't complete the play. He ended the game with no interceptions. Um, and even when you look at the the running backs, I mean, they've only uh, they've lost no fumbles this year uh the receivers have lost a few they, they've lost five but still i mean the, this team does not turn the ball over and in the postseason you know what really killed the ravens against the titans the titans got out in a fast start they picked off lamar on a throw where if andrews was 100 percent, he very likely you know makes completes that play um and they just got up to a quick lead and just the Ravens just were kind of flat-footed after that. Now, I think this Ravens team is much more better equipped to come back uh, from the, uh, a deficit if it so happens that that's the case. I mean, we saw that happen against the Rams. We saw them do that against uh, the Niners, even though that wasn't a huge deficit. Um, so, uh, the Dolphins. We saw them happen against the Dolphins, but I I think that... If some things happen with turnovers early in that game, it's a little bit different doing it in the playoffs than it is regular season. Hopefully Tennessee wouldn't creep up in the back of their minds if for some reason that were to happen. But the turnover battle, I think, is something that's going to be very important in this game, and
0: the Texans have been excellent in that category all year. So very true. Uh, That's the way that games get out of hand. We saw it with them. We saw it uh, that... Dak, you know through two picks um and green bay just rolled uh and that definitely uh stunned the dallas faithful and we'll uh i you know just have to avoid that yeah that's like you said it's so it's so critical um one thing i want to talk to you about uh as well with with andrews and like how we might deploy him i think Peter, you mentioned, like, on third down, you might want him out there. I wouldn't be surprised if he exclusively lines up as a wide receiver. Um, he's never really in line, and if he's in line, he never blocks, you know. Like, I think he won't be out there um, on running plays unless he's out wide and, like, probably not involved in the play. I think I, this is just speculation. If if there's anything wrong with his leg, it's probably under load when blocking, more so than, uh, you know, running routes. That's my guess
1: yeah, I mean that's yeah, certainly a good point um it just means you know all the more blocking for uh you know for guys like Ricard and running backs as well um I can't remember I don't know if you guys know off the top of your head is has dalvin been known for being a good uh pass blocker at all? would he be one of those question. guys maybe to put in those situations mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know his pass blocking uh street cred okay, he's a bad guy, hopefully, yeah. I mean, he was oh, a three-down back, ever, so you would think he would I mean, be. You know? Yeah, three-down back. He had to play a lot for you know Cousins, pass the football a good bit. So, um, you know, I had to be somewhat good at it, I think. He's a poor pass blocker, according to Jets fans. Well, well, we, <laughs> we, we, can't,
0: we can't trust I know, I know. You can't, can't trust the Jets them thing them right
1: now. I mean,
0: if, if you had to spend bad, your time... Oh, wait, this bad. is this is before they yeah. signed him. This is before... Uh, okay. Yeah, he was about to say, he's not a good fit. This uh, this reporter was saying he's not a good fit, Michael Nanina. <laughs> so he's not a good pass blocker. I don't know.
1: Well, in any case, I mean, Hill I, I think is a goat uh, of pass blocking. <laughs> yeah, he is. No, no, he will. Yeah, certainly be valuable in that role. Um, for sure. Dude, yeah, I just can't. got like
0: the biggest thing. I think Rose said it really well on his press availability. Like, if they play the brand of football they are known to play and execute their game plan they're very confident in their ability to win. I think that all of us are as well. I think that's really all it comes down to. Like this team is extremely talented. I was telling the coworker today who was like sort of unaware of how good the Ravens really are, you know? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, they're the number one seed in our division. They're the number one team in football and many metrics. And it's one of those things where there's plenty of number one teams that don't win at all. But, um, There's not really any excuses. They should be able to beat any team that they go against. They are favored by nine and a half points in most sport books, which feels ridiculous for a playoff game. Frankly, Um, Mm -hmm. like this is a good team, (laughs) and they're saying, yeah, they're going to roll, and and that's where we're at. You know, we have to now evaluate in our bold predictions and and score predictions. Like, what's going to happen? You know, with this team, what? uh, You know, where are they going to line up? I, I know when I first saw the lines, I was stunned. I was like, that's, that's disrespectful. You see those kind of lines against mediocre to bad teams. This, this is a playoff team. Now, granted, like Peter said, week-to-week league. We're over here enamored by the Texans. And moments before, they could have been knocked out of the playoffs by a, a simple dump-off pass to a third-string running back. So, you know, hot and cold. I would say C.J. Stroud, one, one like, little pull quote on away games, four out of seven of them that he played in away games, he had under a 90 passer rating. So he can be cold on the road. And, 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 and I think that's a uh, notable, but again, those games were a little bit earlier in the season and I think he's definitely turned a, a little bit more of a page. He's a little bit more of a vet now. So we'll see how applicable that is. His worst game on the road was just last month against the Jets. Well, that's good. Love that. Oh yeah. I forgot that. Yeah. The Jets game. <laughs> I, I, I forgot because it, it's like inverted in my head. The, the, the first game no. of the season should be at the top, but it's not. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah, and ESPN mm-hmm. used to do it the other way too. So it's. You know. But I know the Ravens are the first one, so I should know better. But carry should've.
1: on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Old prediction time. Score prediction time.
1: Man, I'll go first. Um, yeah, I feel like that nine and a half, or you know, nine point spread, um, feels a little disrespectful. I'm um, <laughs> just being honest. Um, you know, I. I feel like I've been telling a couple people this week as well of, you know, hey, look, the you know Texans have put up 45 against the Browns. Um, I wouldn't look into that number too much. I, I think at some point, um, you know, I, I feel like the first pick six, I was like, OK, they could come after it. After the second one, I was like, OK, the Browns know that they've lost um, and you can see the play calling shift as well. For that um it's kind of a runaway game at that point so i i don't look into that number as too scary and say oh the ravens have to match 45 i just i don't think that's true uh, but that being said uh, Texans are a good team there's a lot of things to be concerned about uh, so don't overlook them but uh but yeah for me I, I think the the big test for shroud i think is just going to be playing at the bank um you know, all three of us are going to be in that crowd for the visual game. I'm sure tons of Ravens fans listening in on this pod. Um, and even if you're not listening are going to be at the bank, are going to be rocking, going to be loud, um, going to be causing havoc for Stroud and the offense, um, you know, communication wise and hope to cause a lot of false starts and, and uh, delay games and things like that. So I think the Ravens are going to win. I think they're confident. Everyone says they're locked in. I think they're locked in. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say they win this one. Um and it's funny cuz even though I said the 9 uh, the 9 point spread is a little disrespectful, I'm going to say that they win by 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um just because just because I feel pretty confident about it and it doesn't feel like too crazy. Um I'm going to say that they win 30 let's say 34 24 uh Ravens. And my bold prediction, bold prediction, will be that um, I want to say Bateman gets a touchdown, but you know, honest, honestly, I feel like Stingley's going to be on him all day. Um, so I'm a little concerned about that. But uh, you know what? Like, I'm going to go with it anyway. I think he's the X factor, man. We didn't talk about him this episode, but we've been talking for a couple of weeks. He's trending up. He's being a contributor. I, I liked how he performed against Ramsey uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm gonna say Bateman gets a touchdown. How about that? Nice, nice.
0: I can go too because in the same vein as Chris, while saying I think that spread is disrespectful, it I think we beat it. <laughs> I think we we can cover it, <laughs> you know. And it's not, but it, it's one of those things where it just like it just looks disrespectful. I don't know. It looks disrespectful. Usually games are closer when the, you feel like the opponents are closer. But anyways. Here's, here's, here's my analysis, kind of going, riffing off of what Chris said. You had the two pick sixes. I don't see that happening you know, with, with uh, Lamar. You had missed tackles, bad tackling resulting in huge chunk plays that resulted in touchdowns. This team's excellent at tackling. So you take that out, and it's a classic thing we talk about with the Ravens. You're going to have to put together a 10, 11, 15-play you know, drive, make no mistakes, and score a touchdown to which we say, good luck. You can do that. Kudos. And, and it takes time. It's hard to do. And I think that's what's going to result in a lower scoring game for the Texans. I always love this score. I feel like the score hasn't done me wrong. I didn't double check it. But I'm going with my, my quintessential Alex score of 31-17 Ravens. <laughs> and that score... Last was told when we won 56-19 to against the Dolphins. Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, bowl prediction. Bold prediction is Lamar Jackson throws for four touchdowns and puts on a little show. He's locked in. He wants to prove that he is a playoff quarterback. Four touchdowns, Lamar.
2: Yeah, I, I th- am very excited for this game. Um, I agree. You, you do have to respect this, this Texans team. They have shown all year that they don't care. that They have a rookie quarterback. They don't care. They have a rookie head coach. They don't care that uh, amount of youth they have on this team. They're going to come. They're going to compete. But I do, despite the fact that I respect this team, I do think they are slightly frauds. And I think it's Ooh. just slightly for the reasons that we've said. And it's just not to say that they're not good. I just don't think that they are divisional round good. We talked about the division they played in. We've, you know, how, how many teams shit <laughs> the bed there. Um, Stroud has had some good games outdoors, but by far his worst games have been um, away from the, the confines of, of Reliance Stadium or, or whatever its name is right now. Um, you look at the game against Carolina, that he lost to Bryce Young coming off a of bye week. You look at the Jets game that we just brought up. Um you know, you look at the game that he had um mm-hmm. when they played against uh yeah, the Saints. I mean, they won that game, but still was that quite as good as it could have been? No. I mean, I think that he is very good. But I also think that the Texans have faced a soft schedule this year. And I think that you look at this Ravens team, and I think that they everyone is locked in. I think that everyone's been reminded of 2019. I think that everyone is coming to play, and they're going to remind C.J. Stroud that he's a rookie. My bold prediction is he'll throw two picks in this game, and the Ravens will win this game 38-20. to 20. I think that the Ravens are going to come out firing and that this will be a comfortable win. Do I expect the Ravens to run away from it from the beginning? I'm not sure. I think that the Texans will put up a fight. Um, This might be a game where the Ravens pull ahead in the second half. um, Like we've seen in some similar games, like the 49ers and dolphins, I guess those games, they kind of pulled away in the second quarter. It wasn't quite the second half, but yeah, I, I think that, i think the ravens will be ready for this game i do not think they're going to have a repeat of 2019 there's got there's got to be too much of a reminder in that building for to avoid that and i think they'll win this game game handily and then welcome the chiefs
0: the next week at the afc championship taylor swift we'll see about that let's stay locked in on this week ravens fans out there there are tickets available on SeatGeek for reasonable prices, we can say with confidence they're under face, and then there's ridiculous fees <laughs> that you have to pay, and then it's a little over face. But I think if it's a game uh, and you can uh, you know afford to go, I think you definitely should try going out to the bank. It's going to be loud and it's going to be cold, so the two H's are what you need. You need halls and you need hot hands. I guess it's three H's: hot of hands. And Halls, with those two things, you can be loud and have the uh, stamina necessary to (laughs) cheer on the Ravens through those conditions. Um, We'd love to see you there. I think this is going to be a big game, a big moment. And I I feel like the the one thing that's kind of lost, the gravity of the situation is, the Ravens win this game. They will bring an AFC Championship game to Baltimore for the first time as the Ravens. And that is special. We really should appreciate how special that is. Um, but not take it for granted that's happening. We have to be at the bank and support them this week. And we'll see what happens, man. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's been 18 long days. You know, or, you know I guess almost 20 long days of uh, waiting for this game. Uh, I know I had a couple of text messages where people were getting antsy. We just want to see some football. And I know uh, I'm right there with you. So go, Ravens. Stay locked in.
1: Let's get this done.